And you're on right now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Coming to you on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Streaming live on iHeartRadio. You can listen on demand anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, or Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or drop me a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That number is 772-245-0750. As we have done all week, we're going to start the broadcast with an update on Hurricane Dorian, which has come ashore finally uh, in the Hatteras Islands. Uh, It has caused uh, pretty severe flooding on Hatteras Islands and uh, has spawned tornadoes further down the coast in North Carolina. Carolina Shores has uh, suffered about 20 uh, devastated houses. And uh, in the um, aftermath uh, in Charleston, has seen uh, pretty extensive flooding. Uh, the cur- hurricane is uh, now a Category 1. It's uh, quickly losing its power and becoming a tropical uh, storm uh, before continuing on up the coast and probably becoming a, uh, a nor'easter there in New England. Oh, man. Uh, the, the images coming out of the Bahamas are just devastating. Two-thirds of the island of Abaco. Uh, the islands, I should say, of Abaco are underwater. And if you look at the before and after satellite photographs of uh, those islands, it is just devastating. Whole neighborhoods are just gone. And as I predicted uh, shortly afterward, it wasn't uh, that that, uh, brilliant prediction. It was quite clear that if you set a 185-mile-an-hour hurricane Category 5 hurricane over those low-lying islands for over 24 hours that the results would be catastrophic. And indeed they are. Um, at this point, it there are thousands, thousands of people that have not been accounted for. And uh, it may never be accounted for. Um, but the, there, there are bodies floating in the water. And um, rescue workers are complaining of the uh, the stench now of, of rotting bodies. So this thing is going to get far worse before it gets any better. And uh, and those uh, those people in the Bahamas desperately need our help. I'll remind you again that they're they're not um, uh, associated any longer with a major uh, nation that can you know come in and uh, save them. They are an independent nation and are going to be reliant on uh, foreign aid from the United States, but most especially for the generosity of, uh, of people through tr- private charities. And I'd just encourage all the listeners here to go to BahamasRedCross.org, that's BahamasRedCross.org, and be as generous as you possibly can. Uh, this is, uh, is going to be a long time of recovering, and uh, the need is, uh, is on a, just a massive scale. There's up to 70,000 people down there that are, uh, are relying on uh, the goodwill of, uh, of um, 
generous people in order to survive this thing. It's also an interesting development. Uh, Militias are starting to be formed uh, to stop the looting. It is a a struggle for survival uh, now, and uh, and people are uh, fighting uh, for food and fresh water. And now, um, you know, the the people are organizing themselves to protect uh, their property and and organize themselves and uh, militias are spontaneously forming uh, in order to to do that. Um, And it's sort of a reminder here in light of, you know, the attacks on on, um, semi-automatic weapons and and the left trying to advocate for uh, gun confiscation that, uh, you know, society is a fragile thing and it can break down. And if and when it does, people are going to be on their own as far as being able to uh, protect themselves and uh, and make sure that uh, they don't get taken advantage of. And it just reminds you, you know, that it was just this week that San Francisco, uh, despite the fact that they're falling apart completely, are spending time focusing on trying to demonize and slander good law-abiding people in the National Rifle Association. Donna Edwards, a former uh, representative in the, in the Congress, was on TV yesterday um, spouting some more of their lies and misconception on this topic. It's ridiculous putting the death penalty on the table. I mean, people who are committing mass shootings aren't saying, well, I might get the death penalty and so I won't do it. No, they're getting uh, these automatic rifles. They are using high capacity um, uh, ammunition and they're killing. They're mowing down uh, hundreds, thousands of people every single year. And so so this is the level of uh, misinformation and ignorance we're dealing with. Uh, Rifles of all kinds, just not just including so-called assault rifles, which are semi-automatic rifles, but rifles of all kinds were responsible for 675 deaths last year. That's out of a total of, um, I think it's, was it 15,000 murders? 675 were committed by, by rifles of any kind. So, you know, you've, you've got, and she said this on, on MSNBC, nobody bothered to correct her. And that's what we're up against. Uh, it, it's sort of like this uh, town hall that CNN put on, this seven-hour town hall. Chock-a-block full of lies and misinformation, but uh, nobody there to uh, check the record or, or uh, correct them or call them out on it. And uh, something has come to light about this uh, this town hall that I, I missed at first. I, I mentioned to the listeners that there were no skeptical questions from the audience, and it seemed like each and every one of the questions were asked by some sort of activist, not a scientist, not a, a meteorologist or, or anybody, you know, learned in the field, but by these social justice warriors who have adopted uh, climate change as their a virtue uh, signaling vehicle. And now I've learned that, yes, indeed, they were all. Everybody in the audience was a climate science activist, climate crisis activist, what they call themselves. And they're all members of this group called the Sunrise Movement, who is dedicated to, you know, agitating for uh, eliminating the internal combustion engine, 
um, doing away with the consumption of meat, um, just all of these really far left wacky ideas. They were the audience. They had an audience that was brought in there because of their ideological beliefs. No, no dissent was broached whatsoever. I've got a montage here uh, from the from the seven hour uh, panic a thon. And while you're listening to this, just imagine what the uh, GOP and the Trump campaign are going to do with all this material when the general election rolls around. Would you support changing the dietary guidelines? The, the, yes. You know, the food pyramid. But people yes. Are, yes. To reduce red meat specifically. Yes, I would. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Yes. So would you ban offshore drilling? Yes. Just today, the Trump administration announced plans to overturn requirements on energy-saving light bulbs. Would you in- reinstate those requirements? As oh, if you can get electricity from a light bulb that utilizes one-tenth of the power that an old incandescent light bulb used, of course you're going to do that. We have to take the take combustion engine vehicles off the road as rapidly as we can. Educating everyone on the need to curb population growth seems a reasonable campaign to enact. This is a beauty right here. This is one of these uh, climate alarmists uh, getting Bernie Sanders to support population control through abortion. As rapidly as we can. Educating everyone on the need to curb population growth seems a reasonable campaign to enact. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? Well, Martha, the answer is yes. I think especially in poor countries around the world uh, where women do not necessarily want to have large numbers of babies and where they can have the opportunity through birth control to control the number of kids they have, something I very, very strongly uh, support. Let's talk about offshore drilling for oil. Would you ban it? Yes. Would you ban offshore drilling? Absolutely yes. We will transition off of fossil fuels, natural gas, coal, oil. What about the export of fossil fuels from the United States or Japan, man? Absolutely, we must get to that point. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. I'm in favor of a carbon-free America. In my administration, we're not going to build any new nuclear power plants. We, 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 we set out the rules for what kind of plant, you know, coal-burning plants. No one's going to build another coal burning. We've got to shut the ones down we have. We're going to end factory farming because that is not only, that is a danger to the environment and to climate change. You know, there will be a transition. There will be a transition and, and, and there will be some pain there. The energy sector is, is the most uh, productive and profitable part of the American economy. They're going to all do away with it. They're going to eliminate fracking. Really? Fracking has been responsible for greater reductions in CO2 emissions than any development that these uh, these wild-eyed climate crisis uh, alarmists have have done themselves. The production of natural gas has, has created uh, huge drops. The reason the United States produces such a very small portion of CO2 uh worldwide is because of the rise of fracking and heaven forbid that you want to uh, talk about new nuclear energy technologies that are much cleaner and produce almost zero waste because they're 
sort of ideologically opposed to that, regardless of the facts. But, you know, when you're watching that, you got to think that was like a seven hour GOP campaign commercial. I mean, really, you could not have put together uh, more video clips for oppo research for the Trump re-election campaign if you had set out to do that. They they eliminated any sort of uh, chance. They got each and every one of the 10 remaining Democrat candidates and pushed them through the Sunrise Movement to make the most radical positions that they could possibly take. And you can bet that the DVRs over there at the Republican National Committee were rolling, baby. Because they're going to put together montages of of whichever one of these candidates comes through and uh, ultimately faces Donald Trump that are just going to be devastating. Eliminate factory farming? Well, there goes Iowa. Eliminate offshore drilling? Well, there goes uh, Alabama, Louisiana, and Texas. Eliminate fracking? Well, there goes uh, the Dakotas. Eliminate the internal combustion engine? There goes Michigan. (laughs) And that doesn't seem to be enough for them. They're going to have another one of these seven-hour telethons, and they're going to base it on what uh, LGBTQ. And since... Uh, you know, we already have through through the Supreme Court now uh, gay marriage. The only thing they're left to talk about really is going to be uh, transsexual rights and cross-dressers and having men compete against women in women's sports and access to your daughters and your wives' bathrooms and showers. <laughs> Maybe Jeff Zucker is sort of like a Manchurian candidate and it is actually working for the re-election of Donald Trump, maybe he's uh, maybe it's some sort of sickness. He can't imagine life without Trump, so he's working for his re-election. I don't believe that for a second. But these uh, yet another li- night of lunacy by the Democrat candidates would you believe would make you believe that maybe that's the case? We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. Attention, those of you looking to go on a fun vacation and see the world on the cheap. Today, the U.S. dollar is worth even more in other countries. So there's never been a better time to travel outside the USA. The dollar is worth over $1.30 in Canadian dollars. And it's the same for Australia. You can fly there today and have fun and maximize your travel dollar. Your U.S. dollar is worth over $3 in Brazilian reals, and it's worth over $18 in Mexican pesos. Plus, in Argentina, it's worth over $27 in Argentine pesos. Just think of the bargains you'll get. And the way you get the cheapest airfare to any destination is by calling Tickets That Cheap. Save up to 75% on your foreign vacation tickets. Don't wait. Call now. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. 800-932-1596. That's 800-932-1596. Oh, yo. After the break, we're going to be joined by Robert Spencer. He's the author of The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. 
He's authored about 19 books, and he runs the uh, the uh, organization uh, Jihad Watch. We're going to talk about the parallels in history to the uh, um, what's going on with radical Islam. Well, while the uh, the Democrats are busy uh, self-emulating, emulating uh, over there on CNN, s- CNN has not uh, stopped attacking Donald Trump. And of course, you probably know that their latest um, scandal that they've unearthed regarding Donald Trump is this Sharpie Gate, and uh, they, of course. Uh, Trump, in the early stages of the uh, hurricane forecast, took note that if the the uh, storm crossed over the Florida Peninsula, that it would go on to affect the panhandle in some portions of Alabama. And apparently he didn't update his uh, the way he described this as the, uh, the hurricane uh, changed course. And uh, in one of the early models, he even or somebody, he says it wasn't him, uh, projected out uh, from the cone of uncertainty, they like to call it, that uh, that showed if the storm continued on the path that was shown on that map, that yes, indeed, it was going to affect Alabama. I remember those early forecasts, and it did indeed show that it would uh, pass over the panhandle and, and, um, and Alabama. And what, you know, sort of an interesting thing is, CNN's jumping all, all over Donald Trump, claiming that he was dishonest in uh, saying that it was going to enter into Alabama or sloppy. Well, the maps that CNN was showing of that same model had Alabama labeled as Mississippi. So somebody in the graphics department over there at CNN is not educated enough to know that Alabama is the state just west of Georgia, not Mississippi. And somebody drug, <laughs> they cut and pasted the name of Mississippi on top of the state of Alabama, but they want to they go after Trump. So I got some clips here I'm going to play you. Uh, the, the first one is the president uh, telling Alabama to watch out. The original course was dead into Florida. Now it seems to be going up toward South Carolina, toward North Carolina. Georgia's going to be hit. Alabama's going to get a piece of it, it looks like. But it can change its course again, and it can go back more toward Florida. He gads. He said Alabama might get hit. We can't have that. Oh, John Roberts on Fox News uh, sort of detailed the evolution of this, this scandal that's driving them crazy over there at CNN and MSNBC. Controversy has erupted over this because at his hurricane briefing yesterday, the president held up a graphic of a five-day warning cone from last Friday, the 30th, which appeared to have been modified with a Sharpie to extend the bubble out there, as you can see, to include the Florida panhandle and parts of southern Alabama. The president was asked how that line got there yesterday afternoon. Listen here. But the original path was through Florida. That was probably three days. I think that's probably three, four days old. The original path that most people thought it was going to be taking, as you know, was right through Florida, where on the right would have been Georgia, Alabama, etc. Well, that is perfectly true, what he just said. I remember it well. Uh, this was, you know, the early models before it, uh, before the hurricane stalled over the Bahamas and then ended up getting pushed to the west by that, uh, that trough that formed in the southeast United States. 
But uh, CNN was not letting this go, and they were making a major part of their coverage. When it comes to Donald Trump, here he is uh, making up a fake hurricane. So he's making up a fake hurricane now, according to CNN. And, of course, Andrew Como, Fredo, had to get in on this. If this were a Republican reacting to something, they would say uh, Republicans pounce. This is Fredo pouncing. In addition to Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, and Alabama will most likely be hit much harder than anticipated, looking like one of the largest hurricanes ever. Already Category 5, be careful, God bless everyone. By the way, right sentiment. He just got something wrong, and the map shows it. Proof. 20 minutes after the president's tweet, the National Weather Service, not the most partisan place in the world, sent this out. Alabama will not see any impacts from hashtag Dorian. We repeat, no impacts from Hurricane Dorian will be felt across Alabama. The system will remain too far east. Okay. All right. Calm down. Over at MSNBC, they decided that this was finally, they have finally gotten Trump. Uh, Stormy Daniels didn't do it. Russiagate didn't do it. Um, going after his finances hasn't done it, but now they've got him on Sharpie Gate. They're going to get. They're going to impeach the president for Sharpie Gate. But you know, the, you know, the, you know, you know, almost half jokingly, the the Democrats keep looking for an impeachment inquiry to go. This is actually against the law, and this might actually use for them to say, "Wait a second, high crime and misdemeanor." He was wrong about the the hurricane forecast. And she's referring to a law there that does actually make it uh, a misdemeanor to uh, publish a false weather forecast. But uh, I don't think that that's exactly what the founders had in mind when they were talking about high crimes and misdemeanors. Poor little fat boy, uh, Brian Stetler, George Costanza himself, was doing everything he could to fan the flames of Sharpie Gate. I think this is one of the most egregious errors of the entire Trump presidency. You know, it's because it involves. It's the most egregious error of the entire Trump presidency. Now, remember, this was the guy that was pumping the uh, the RussiaGate hoax for almost three years, but now this SharpieGate is the most egregious scandal in the Trump presidency. I think this is one of the most egregious errors of the entire Trump presidency. You know, it's because it involves you know, it seems absurd, like absurd. <laughs> it's something out of an SNL sketch, except that it involves a real life emergency situation. And President Trump has a government that's working really well, really, really well. Oh, I can't listen to it. So you got MSNBC saying that uh, this is an impeachable offense. You got Brian Stetler saying that this is um, is just a, 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 the most egregious offense of the trump presidency now keep in mind they have been pumping one fake uh scandal after another over there so you know that would be a pretty big thing so barack obama makes a a a deal with iran that allows them to develop a nuclear weapon and then delivers them 150 mil billion dollars with a b that's not impeachable you got george w bush um basically making up a a weapons of mass destruction lie to take us to a worthless war in Iraq that cost thousands of people's lives and trillions in American treasure. That's not impeachable. But Donald Trump projects out a storm path on a real storm map with his Sharpie 
and that's going to do in the Trump presidency. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, we've got labor reports out that show the lowest unemployment in the history of this country, and 500,000 people are back in the job market. They're concerned about everything except for what really matters. But um, it was a good week because we got all the Democrats on record basically doing away with the modern America on CNN. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Robert Spencer. and We're going to talk about jihad and the history of the conflicts between Islam and Christendom right after these messages. Stick with us. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Coming right at you on the Mojo 50 radio network. The nations of Europe and North America are engaged in a grand experiment. Guided by Western traditions of religious tolerance, the United States, Canada, and many European nations are importing millions of Muslim immigrants. I call this an experiment because for over 1,400 years, Islam has been at war with non-believers, including, but not limited to Christians and Jews. The goals of this conflict have not just been territorial conquest, but religious submission as well, as ordered by the Quran. It's not an exaggeration to say the results of this grand experiment could be the, the end of Western civilization. To discuss this, we're joined now by Robert Spencer. He's director of Jihad Watch and author of over 19 books on the topic of Islam, including two New York Times bestsellers. His most recent is The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS. It's available now on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and you can find his website at jihadwatch.org. That's jihadwatch.org. Robert Spencer, thank you for joining us on right now. Hey, happy to be here, Jim. Thank you. Well, it's a great honor to have you. I think the last time we spoke was uh, almost 20 years ago, and uh, we were talking about the same topic back then. Um, and I, I have to note that rarely has someone sounded an alarm so loud and so long as you have, uh, but your warnings about bringing radical Islam and jihad into the West have uh, largely gone unheeded. So, uh, Yeah, got- well, there's... Go ahead. Jim. No, you, Sorry. I, w- I was just going to say, guided by the old uh, uh, maxim that uh, those ignorant of their history are doomed to repeat it, I'd like to give you 
uh, the, the opportunity to uh, give a, a brief uh, history for our audience uh, on the conflict between Christendom and Islam and how it relates to contemporary events. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to do this. Uh, you're absolutely right. Probably even fewer people now are aware of the nature and magnitude of the jihad threat than they were 20 years ago. And this is because of a concerted effort by Islamic and leftist groups to blame the United States and Israel pretty much entirely for the modern phenomenon of Islamic terrorism and to claim that it's all just a reaction to the supposed ills and evils of those two governments primarily, which of course doesn't explain at all the reality that Islamic terrorism is found today on a pretty much regular basis in places like the Philippines, Thailand, and many others that have nothing to do with Israel or the United States. And uh, actually, as I show in a book that I published last year, The History of Jihad, that uh, jihad terrorism, warfare by Muslims against unbelievers, against non-Muslims, is a constant of Islamic history and has been going on ever since the beginnings of Islam in the 7th century. There is actually no place anywhere in the world where there have been Muslims living together with a large number of non-Muslims and there being peace. Uh, there has always been conflict, just as today there is conflict everywhere where there are significant numbers of non-Muslims and Muslims living in close proximity. And in every case, without any exception, that violence is initiated by the Muslims. So you're saying that uh, ISIS and al-Qaeda and Boko Haram and um, what we're witnessing today are, are not manifestations of Western colonialism? That's right, and they're not misunderstandings or hijackings of the peaceful teachings of Islam, as is often claimed nowadays. It's kind of a ridiculous claim, if you think about it, that all these jihad terror groups, and there are jihad terror groups on every inhabited continent, uh, they all are misunderstanding Islam and misunderstanding it in exactly the same way. It's, it's ridiculous that people have ever bought this, but uh, it's kind of a page taken from the... Uh, propaganda techniques of Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propaganda minister, when he said that uh, you get uh, you, you formulate a big lie and then you just keep repeating it. And after a while, people will believe it. Tell and the big lie and tell it often. what we see has happened. Yeah, exactly. Because it can only get over by dint of constant repetition since it's so contrary to the evidence that we see around us all the time. Well, I have not studied the Quran, uh, but I have uh, <clears throat> perused it and referred to it uh, in regard to uh, some news events. And the impression I get is that it was a document that was drafted as a, um, a governing um, theological uh, form of government designed specifically uh, for its expansion and conquest and um, it seems like that learned people these days have turned a blind eye to that reality in favor of uh, some form of uh, multiculturalism. And as I say, uh, if they're right, then that would be a recipe for peace. But if they're wrong, the consequences would be disastrous indeed. Yeah, that's what we're heading to, because, yes, you're absolutely right, Jim. Islam has been political from its very inception. Uh, there is really no Islam without its political uh, governing apparatus, the Sharia, being implemented. Uh, and it's not me making this up. These are, this, Muslims will tell you this. 
that Islam is not truly Islam unless it's implemented as a political system. And so you have where Islam is not implemented as a political system, you pretty much have Muslims working for that implementation all around the world. And groups like the Muslim Brotherhood, from which al-Qaeda and Hamas and other jihad terror groups come, they loudly proclaim all in, in their uh, groups all around the world that no government that is not constituted according to Islamic law, even in Muslim countries, has any legitimacy, that on the only legitimate government is that of Islamic law. Well, you know, I've got a clip here. It's kind of a long clip. It goes uh, a little more than a minute. Uh, this fellow's name is Mohammed Tawadi, and he's appearing on uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network. And he's he's trying to warn people that uh, I think he's referring to France in particular, uh, that uh, the very nature of Islam requires uh, subjugation and conquest, and that if uh, they don't wake up to that fact, uh, what they can expect. The current beginning of the death, it's already happening. There are areas in France where Christians cannot walk uh, freely. Uh, President Macron has come out saying that the uh, Islamist movements want to secede from France. This is a, a leader of a country telling you that he has lost control. He's admitting finally that he has lost control. Uh, there, are, there are serious agendas being played in that region. Look, I am a Muslim, but I cannot live in an Islamist theocracy. I can live in a Christian government based on their constitution because that is where peace lies. I can't live in a place where ISIS rules uh, the area. That's no Muslim with, with, with a brain that works would want to live under ISIS, right? And when we come to the West trying to warn the governments and intelligence agencies about what is happening, about the people we fled from, we have this new political correctness agenda that tells us, oh, we're the racists, we're the ones who are traitors, and the extremists needs to be understood and embraced, and, you know, they have a point, let's listen to them. And sooner or later, they're in parliament, they're in government, and there you go in America, you have Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib changing the narrative in Washington that is now uh, in affecting the whole influencing and affecting the narrative around the world, attacking Jews, attacking Christians, and this is just the beginning. So if, if Christians don't wake up, Christian leaders don't wake up, then we Muslims who fled from extremists can't help you. Well, Robert Spencer, why do you think that uh, the, the leaders in the Western nations are so paralyzed to, uh, to push back against uh, what appears to be happening Leftist and Islamic groups have very cleverly played the race card and claimed that it's bigotry and hate-mongering and Islamophobia to call attention to the, uh, to the reality of political Islam, to the fact that it is against the freedom of speech, against the equality of rights of women, against the American constitutional freedoms uh, that we enjoy in many ways. And uh, they have been able to smear and demonize and marginalize pretty much everybody who calls attention to these issues. Yourself included. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. And so even Tawhidi, who you just played the recording of, he's a Muslim, but he has not escaped charges of being Islamophobic and uh, hateful because he opposes political Islam. And this is a very, very effective tactic, which is one reason why they keep doing it. It's because it keeps working. Uh, when you have politicians who are facing being charged with being bigoted and racist, they're, they're looking at the end of their political career. And so they fall into line and they say Islam is a religion of peace and they refuse to investigate or even consider seriously the inroads that the adherents of political Islam are making in the West. 
Well, Tahiti uh, there mentioned, uh, you know, the election of Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. And um, I've, I've noticed uh, since the the rise of these two freshmen, first mo- uh, Muslim women in Congress, that uh, each of them has um, missed every opportunity to condemn radical Islam or even ISIS or Al-Qaeda. And I've got a clip here. Uh, this is Ilhan Omar being asked directly at a news conference uh, to do just that. Can you respond to some of the president's specific claims, most notably that you're a communist and that you're pro-Al-Qaeda? You might have noticed how when he said, go back to where you came from, there was an uproar um, through the... Um, through all of our communities because every single person who's brown and black at some point in their life in this country heard that. Now, when he made the comment, uh, I know that every single Muslim who has lived in this country and across the world has heard that comment. And so I will not dignify it with an answer. Well, she's not dignifying it with an answer, but I went on a a concerted search trying to find any time when she had actually condemned radical Islam or even terrorism. And I was unable to find anything other than her steadfast refusal to do so because she was saying it was unfair to ask her. Uh, And it occurred to me that uh, considering the community that she uh, was elected and it being a hotbed of, uh, you know, radical Islamic uh, recruiting, that she may be unable to to condemn uh, radical Islam without putting herself in danger. So um, go ahead. Well, she certainly would be putting herself in danger of not being reelected because, uh, yeah, this is the terrorist hotspot of the United States her congressional district. It's the leading site where terrorist recruitment is going on. More American terrorists have come from that area than from anywhere else. And so it's very clear, and it's no exaggeration to say that there is quite a lot of support for groups like al-Qaeda and ISIS in Ilhan Omar's congressional district. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's why she won her election, but it certainly means that she's being a very canny politician when she constantly sidesteps the issue of whether she actually condemns these jihad terror groups, because she knows there are people who voted for her who would uh, support those groups, and she doesn't want to alienate her voters. Well, I couldn't help but notice as well that she filed a uh, an affidavit with the court in support of a lenient sentence for several uh of her constituents that had been recruited to uh, ISIS and uh, and were arrested by the FBI. Yes, her positions have been very consistent all the way through. Uh, she is always criticizing the United States. She is always uh, calling attention to the ills of our society, real or imagined. And uh, she has never, you know, you can do the same thing with ISIS that uh, you, you did with al-Qaeda and she, while she called for leniency toward these, these ISIS guys, she's never uh, supported in any public way any kind of action against ISIS or other jihad terror groups. Well, Robert Spencer, um, I want to thank you for sticking with us after the break. Uh, when we come back, I want to get a little bit more into uh, the history, the actual history of the, um, the, the conflict between Islam and Christendom. 
uh, if you'll stick with us. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Stand by. Does your current bathroom need to be updated immediately? Introducing One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling, the complete and hassle-free way to get the new bathroom of your dreams in as little as one day and for as little as $1.99 a month. Yes, the experts at One Day Bath and Shower Remodeling will come to you anywhere in the country and show you all the customized options. Now you can have a brand new bathroom in as little as one day. Large or small bathroom. If you want a new bathtub or shower installed, we can do it in as little as one day. And if you call right now, you can save $750 off your remodel. We make it easy by offering you financing as low as $199 per month. Call now to schedule your free in-home consultation. 800-693-3152. 800-693-3152. That's 800-693-3152. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes. We're talking to Robert Spencer, director of Jihad Watch and author of The History of Jihad from Muhammad Isis. Uh, Robert, just uh, just give us a, a, a primer on the rise of, uh, you know, the, the founding of uh, the religion and the rise of the conflict between Islam and Christendom. The conflict goes right back to the beginning to accounts in Islamic sources of Muhammad. Uh, the prophet of Islam, who, according to those sources, in the year 630, two years before he died, led an expedition against the Christian empire, the Byzantine Empire, uh, which was the foremost exponent of Christianity of the day, in, the, in those days. Uh, he led an army up to attack a Byzantine garrison in northern Arabia. There was nobody there because the Byzantines actually didn't know or care about Muhammad at the time. But Muhammad kept coming. Uh, and the Muslims kept coming after his death. In the year 675, they besieged Constantinople, which at that time was the largest, most important, greatest city in the Christian world, uh, and the center, the capital of the Byzantine Empire. They uh, besieged it for the first time. They returned back. They made many, many other tries uh, over the years, and finally were able to conquer the empire and, and enter Constantinople in the year 1453. Uh, this That's a 700-year siege. Of yeah, 700-year siege, absolutely. It was off and on, but they just kept at it, and meanwhile conquered what had been all of North, what had been all of Christian North Africa, all of North Africa, including Egypt, Algeria, Libya. It was all Christian areas. Some of the greatest saints of Christian history, Saint Augustine and uh, Saint Cyprian, they came from North Africa and lived there all their lives. The uh, Muslims, however, completely obliterated that Christian civilization, conquered Spain and other Christian area, held it for 700 years. And uh, really, the whole heart of the Middle East, which is considered to be now the center of the Islamic world, uh, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, etc., those were all Christian areas until they were conquered by the Muslims. And it's really been the most successful conquest in world history as there's been no, except for Spain and Israel, there's been no pushback 
no resist, no significant resistance, just the uh, complete Islamization of the areas. And to this day, uh, Constantinople, located in modern-day Turkey, Turkey is a, uh, well, it's quickly being uh, reformed from a formerly uh, secular government under um, uh, Turk, uh, I can't remember. Erdogan. Erdogan Turk. Erdogan. Uh, well, yes, I was, I was trying to remember the name of the guy that, f- that converted it uh, to a secular uh, government. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Ataturk. Ataturk, Ataturk. correct. And uh, and actually has uh, Islamic uh, toehold there on uh, on that part of Europe, and uh, therefore they are members of NATO. But um, you mentioned uh, about the the you know uh, raids, Islamic raids on Europe, and we're very sensitive these days to the history of slavery. A little known part of history is that the Ottomans of the day uh, were uh, big slave traders. And enslaved uh, literally millions of Europeans uh, during that period. Yeah, I've got the accounts of some of those slave raids in the book, The History of Jihad. Many people don't know it, but uh, Islamic slavers came up from North Africa in the 1500s, 1600s, and actually uh, made raids in England, in Iceland, and elsewhere in the uh, in Northern Europe. Uh, to take back people from those areas and make them slaves in North Africa. The slave trade that was conducted by Muslims was actually much larger in scope and lasted much longer than the transatlantic slave trade that uh, brought the American slaves to the United States and that we hear so much more about. And there's still so much controversy about in the United States 150 years after abolition. Uh, It really was quite small and narrow in scope compared to Islamic slave trade, to the Islamic slave trade that we hear hardly anything about. So the uh, the nation where this Islamization, if you will, uh, is furthest along is the nation of France. Uh, Do we see uh, a social uh, and civil disintegration there that you might expect? Yeah, absolutely, because there are many of the people who have come to France who have not come to France to have a better life, to have a better uh, job, and so on, but they've come in order to conquer and Islamize France. Uh, People think, oh, that's ridiculous, it's it's conspiracy-mongering or something of that kind, but this is in the words of the people who themselves have come that they say this is why we are here, this is what this is all about, to Islamize France. And there are many, many areas in France now that are very controversially known as no-go zones, a lot of argument back and forth about them. The Paris mayor actually threatened to sue Fox News a few years back um, because Fox was referring to no-go zones in Paris, and she said there are no such things. Uh, And uh, it's noteworthy, however, that that suit never materialized. Uh, the controversy really comes over uh, the fact that pe- there's no real accepted definition of what a no-go zone is. Uh, people say that there are no places where non-Muslims are not allowed to go, and that's true. But that's not what a no-go zone necessarily Taking is. Taking your life into your a hands. No-go zone, yeah, it's a place where Islamic law prevails, not the law of the land. And so the uh, non-Muslims have to watch what they do and watch what they say, or they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, that's what a no-go zone is. And in many cases in France and elsewhere, there are cities where police and fire personnel don't even want to enter because they're afraid of being attacked by Muslims in those areas. And so they're very much 
are these kinds of no-go zones, and the controversy about them is to a tremendous degree simply an attempt to cover up the reality. Well, you know, one of the things I've noticed uh, in Europe, not only in France, but in Sweden and uh, in Belgium and other places that have welcomed large numbers, is that um, they'll go on these uh, rampages where they'll burn cars, and they'll burn hundreds of them at a time. And it occurred to me that, uh, you know, that's kind of a form of ethnic cleansing cause, because you make the the neighborhood and the area so untenable for the, um, for the you know, former inhabitants, uh, you know, having their cars burned and, and uh, the minarets uh, playing the, uh, the prayers over loudspeaker three times a day, that it actually forces them out and, and gives them, uh, you know, free... Uh, rain in these enclaves that they've created. Yes, absolutely. And that's actually one of the primary objectives of doing that. Uh, the idea is to make it such that the people who live in those areas don't want to stay. And then only Muslims move in, and pretty soon you have another one of these Islamic enclaves where Islamic law is essentially the law of the land. Well, the Islamic law you're referring to is, of course, Sharia, and we've heard a lot of talk about Sharia law, and uh, it, it has always amazed me that, uh, you know, people who call themselves liberals or leftists are so ignorant to uh, the strictures of Sharia and uh, and are such defenders of people who advocate uh, its implementation uh, right here in this country, uh, just uh, uh, explain some of the things that are contained in Sharia that are uh, contrary to what we would understand as uh, a liberal, um, you know, Western values. Well, Islamic law forbids criticism of Islam. So in the first place, there's no freedom of speech. Uh, second, it uh, says that, that, that might, that might result, are... to, that might uh, explain why they're so, you know, keen to murder people who, who draw um, cartoons of the prophet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's exactly why. And uh, it, it says that women are inferior to men and that men can beat women from whom they fear disobedience. And that language that they don't say they can uh, beat women who are disobedient, but just those whom they, from whom they fear disobedience, that they think they might become disobedient. Uh, and so it denies the equality of rights of women before the law, uh, denies the uh, uh, free inquiry, free discourse that we take for granted in the United States, although that, of course, is changing as well. Uh, denies, it's very virulently anti-Semitic with all sorts of things being blamed upon the Jews and mandates a second-class status for non-Muslims. Uh, under Islamic law. And so this also is something that's at variance with the rights and freedoms that we take for granted here in the United States. Well, you know, um, we've witnessed several uh, honor killings, so-called honor killings, most recently, um, I think about a week ago in Texas, where uh, there was a a man who uh, killed his sister because uh, they had brought dishonor on the family. Is Is that a stricture in Sharia law? Yeah, it's uh, it's in Islamic law that there's no penalty for a uh, father who kills the child. That this is something that is simply allowed without any uh, uh, worries about being punished. And there are many Muslim countries, accordingly, where honor killing is simply not uh, punished in the same way 
as any other kind of murder that you have, for in other words, reduced penalties if you can prove that it was an honor killing. Is there any example worldwide uh, where Islam has uh, coexisted peacefully uh, once um, once Islam became the majority? No. Uh, there is not only no example worldwide of that, but also in Islamic teaching. There is no scenario envisioned in which Muslims and non-Muslims live together in a society where neither one is, make, is uh, trying to assert hegemony over the other. Uh, instead, the Muslims have a responsibility uh, before Allah to uh, establish their hegemony over the non-Muslims, to subjugate them under the rule of Islamic law. I recall in the Clinton administration when uh, the uh, NATO actually <clears throat> went to war in Kosovo to, uh, to stop um, the Serbians from uh, reasserting control over that province, and uh, and shortly after, uh, you know, we forced the Serbs to withdraw and turn the place over to Kosovo. Uh, they began uh, ethnic cleansing it of of Christians, uh, including uh, burning their churches. And now, you know, the province of Kosovo is almost entirely um, free of Christians. Yeah, and uh, this is no surprise at all. Anybody who is aware of Islamic doctrine and Islamic history could have said at that time, and I was saying at that time, that this is what's going to happen. And it's not that uh, we were clairvoyant, it's just that there is no contrary example. There's just no example of Muslims behaving any differently. Whenever there are Muslims and non-Muslims, then the Muslims are subjugating the non-Muslims. You know, you you look at the uh, the uh, video clips of uh, what's happened in Kosovo and other areas like that where they destroyed the antiquities and the the treasures of the previous, um, you know, civilization, and you wonder, um, you know, what is the future of uh, places like France and England that uh, contain all of these historic uh, treasures? Robert Spencer, we got to run. We've, uh, we've got to run. I thank you so much for being on. Robert Spencer is the director of Jihad Watch and a Shulman Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center. His latest book is The History of Jihad from Muslim, uh, from Muhammad to ISIS. The History of Jihad from Muhammad to ISIS, available on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. Robert Spencer, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.